What's up, Internet friends? I'm Kevin Garaventa, and welcome to another episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club. This is a show where we pick one game from the PlayStation Plus library and break it down for your entertainment, information, and amusement. Today, we are talking about The Evil Within, developed by Tango Gameworks and published by Bethesda. Tango Gameworks was founded by Shinji Mikami, the creator of Resident Evil, and The Evil Within would be his first game outside of Capcom. You can really feel the DNA of Resident Evil in the atmosphere and style of this game, as well as how you play, especially in relation to Resident Evil 4, and we'll talk about that in detail in a little bit. And to, to start doing that is returning PS Plus Game Club member Sarah Amini. Welcome back again. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> it's great to, <laughs> it's great to have you back. Um, I, I have to ask you right off the bat, why in the hell did you choose this game? Yeah, no, I've been asking myself that question this entire time. <laughs> I, so I played it in high school around when it came out. So it must have been like, what, eight years ago? A little more than that, maybe. And I remember loving it at that time. But be playing it, I realized, wow, I was a sicko in high school. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with me? So yeah, it was it was 2014, and I I remember this coming out. And I first of all, I love horror video games. I I love getting the hell scared out of me. But this one, I just never had the chance to get to. There was a lot going on at the time, and you know, I just I didn't get around to it. Uh, but I was aware of it, and it's just something I never had the chance to try. But boy, did I miss out. This is it's it's like you if you took Resident Evil and then added a jigsaw level of aesthetic to it where there's just torture and gore everywhere and just body mutilation. It is ridiculous uh, in, in how it looks, but it can still scare the hell out of you and create a great atmosphere. And for, for what it does, I really love how this game can try and scare you. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a, a psychological thriller aspect to it that I haven't seen in many other um, horror video games, at least that I've played. So I think that is something that stuck out to me at the time. And then also, again, replaying it. Yeah, it's a really cool mystery. But before we dive into it, is there anything you want to plug or promote? I know you've been doing a lot of work with Casa. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So I think in the previous episodes too, I've mentioned it. So Casa is a court-appointed special advocates for foster youth, um, run by volunteers mostly. Uh, basically, we um, work with the legal system um, to advocate for you know, the well-being of foster children and like their legal cases when they're potentially getting uh, reunited with their parents um, or, you know, adopted out. Um, so, you know, it's uh, something I do. My background's in psychology, developmental psychology. And, um, you know, we work together. Job is great, but doesn't really always fulfill that um, need to make the world a better place. And, you know, this definitely does. It's very fulfilling. And, um, yeah, I definitely encourage people to look into it. Um, it's nationwide and there's different like branches in each area. So yeah, I definitely look into uh, your local CASA and see if you can help out or donate. Yeah, that that's great. That's, that's really nice. So Again, uh, I'd like to plug, if you want to be part of an episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club, you can send us an email at psplusgameclub at gmail.com. 
uh, with game suggestions or thoughts you have about our multi-featured game. But getting back to it, we picked The Evil Within for this month, and it feels like tangentially related to your background now that you mentioned that you have background in psychology. So um, that's it's very fitting for us to talk about this kind of subject matter today. Yeah, definitely. And especially with Halloween right around the corner, I definitely have all of my Halloween decorations already up. It's mid-September, but they've been up since September 1st. So (laughs) yeah, it's a very fitting game for me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 1A4 copy, code 3, ETA 3 minutes. Copy 1A4. Sorry, detectives. I know you're just coming off a case, but I'm afraid we're going to have to make a detour. Sounds serious. Is it a riot? A call went out just before I picked you up. Said it was multiple homicides. Half a dozen units already on scene. 131, please advise. Hey, maybe it's the ghost of that doctor who went schizo and chopped up all those patients. That's not what happened. Some patients disappeared. Some kind of scandal? Still, gives you the creeps, doesn't it? 127, 124, please respond. Joseph, you think there's a connection? It's a possibility. I believe the records were sealed. Anyone on scene, respond. Dispatch, this is Detective Castellanos in 184. What's the situation? Over. 184, be advised. Some problems with your mother's son of the Memorial. Is there any... God damn it! Jesus! This episode is going to be half of just a quick overview, and then we are going to do a deep dive spoiler cast for everything that happens in it. Uh, So let's dive into the, the crazy mind of Shinji Mikami and the evil within. This game's atmosphere is, I, I think it's, it's like biggest feature and how I, I describe it after, after looking at it was like, if you were to take the the saw movie series and apply that to zombies and other monsters that's that's just like the the broad aspect that i can apply to it but it is a lot more complicated than that how would you describe like the the tone and atmosphere of this of this mystery game yeah um i think that's a good description that there's like some mental I don't want to say like it's a mind fuck basically <laughs> that slowly unravels as you play through the game. Uh, it just keeps getting more and more complex beyond just the constant like yeah. scary monsters as well, which um, yeah, that's definitely reminiscent of Saw, though I haven't seen Saw in a very long time. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. But I mean, we'll talk about this too. Like you can definitely feel the resident evil vibes as well, yeah. especially with like, a lot of the gameplay not maybe necessarily mm-hmm. like the story so much but so if we talk about the gameplay for a second uh the the way it, it's set up is like you're you're this detective and you run around or sneak around and uh fight your way through at, at first i thought there were zombies but they're not really zombies um so at as soon as i got a good look at them and and understood really how they behaved i started referring to them as possessed because they the the there would be people and then suddenly these people would turn into these other crazy monsters that 
looked kind of like zombies that were wrapped in barbed wire. And that's that's yeah. the only way I could describe it. You know, some of them also had like metal pipes sticking out of their heads or, um, you know, had had like a, an axe through their head. Uh, and that was like, you know, the crazy Halloween costume that you see. But that's that's weird face mask. They would. Yeah, they would weird face masks. And then um, they also they wield weapons. And uh, yeah. the first time in in like one of the early chapters when I ran into one that was that had a rifle at a, on a balcony, I was like, Oh no, like yeah. these guys are, are not just zombies. They're not just mindless. They're, they're actually uh, able to do things. So that put a spin, a complicated spin on it. Um, similar to how resident evil four plays where uh, that's the first resident evil game where you're not fighting zombies. You're fighting like a massive horde of people that are just trying to kill your character. And that's, that's how you have to deal with it. You have to, take into account that they're a lot smarter and not just, you know, shambling toward your character in one direction. Right. Yeah. I definitely noticed too, um, at the mons, the possessed people, monsters, things, um, are really sensitive to fire. And yeah. I thought that they would just keep coming at me, even though I'm like, all right, I've got my trap set for them, yeah. but they were like smart to it. They would run away from like, if you're wielding fire, they would run away from you. Yeah. That yeah. was annoying. <laughs> There's also this mechanic okay. of of how they they behave and and when you shoot them and they they like fall to the ground, you could think they're dead, but then a few seconds later they get back up and start coming after you again. And in those few seconds, yeah. you can run up to them and throw a match down on them, and it just ignites them. So they're very oh, flammable. <laughs> they're very flammable zombies, but or, or possessed <laughs> demons, whatever. But you know, in those few seconds, you can light a match on them. And if another if another possessed enemy is walking close enough to them, they'll ignite, too. So, you know, all these guys are are made up of timber and that's it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really funny how just like this you, you have like a, a, a store of matches that you can carry and collect and then and then use up. But like, it's really hilarious how like they're all just insanely flammable and that's all you do. <laughs> And at first I thought they're all going to get up and start you know, like continue coming at me no matter what. So uh, every time I killed one, I would throw a match down and I learned my lesson early yeah. that you can run out of matches really fast. Yeah, the same exact yeah. thing happened to me. I was like, I'm not <laughs> risking it. Fire, death, destruction. Um, no, but then you kind of need to save those up for when you really need them. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are more than just zombies or possessed people to, to deal with here, but we'll get into that in, in the spoiler section. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's also talk about a little bit about how this game is set up to give you an idea of what the story starts out as you play as detective, uh, Sebastian Castellanos. Uh, I had read his name first and thought it was pronounced Castellanos, but it's, uh, with that, that, uh, soft Y. So it's a, and then it's detective Sebastian Castellanos. And then he has a, a partner, Joseph Oda and, uh, a rookie detective with him, Julie Kidman. And then, um, he's, they're all in a, a police car being driven by, uh, deputy Connolly, And they're, they're driving away from some other case and, they get an emergency call from Beacon Mental Hospital 
and they have to drive over there and find out what's going on. On their way, there's like this loud ringing sound in everyone's ears and they get a headache and uh, we'll explain later why that is and what happens. But uh, they show up at Beacon Mental Hospital and approach the front doors. And this is where I felt like, okay, the writing and acting in this is really cheesy and it's sometimes really yeah. bad, just like a Resident yep. Evil game. But, <laughs> but I, I loved that aesthetic to it because it made me, it, it entertained me a little bit while I was kind of getting creeped out. Uh, but they approached the doors and it made me laugh pretty hard when they crack the door open. You can see their bodies in the lobby of this hospital, just people murdered everywhere. (laughs) And it's either Oda or Castellanos who says, smells like blood. I, that cracked me up too. It's like, (laughs) no, it's like, really? (laughs) Smells like blood. Yeah. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Come on. It's great detective work. Yeah, yeah. Just crack the door open a little bit more and get and confirm that with your eyes. Okay. So they they go in to the lobby, they investigate what's going on. They see a security camera footage of uh a bunch of security guards in the hospital in a hallway trying to defend themselves against some sort of figure that is able to teleport around the hallway and kills them all one by one. Castellanos turns around and that same figure is standing right in front of him and grabs him. And then the screen goes black. Somehow he made Castellanos like go unconscious, but he wakes up hanging upside down in a room with a bunch of bodies. And there is this really big guy who, you know, could have been played by, uh, you know, a wrestler. Um, But (laughs) like he's, like carving apart some other dead body in the room. And he turns and walks away from Castellanos hanging upside down. And you have to make Castellanos swing back and forth to finally reach this knife that the guy left in some other body. And then you grab the knife, cut yourself down and start to crawl away. Uh, And the, the big guy is like distracted by something else. And he walks out of the room. This, this moment, uh, I, I was like, okay, I know what to do. Kind of follow him, sneak up behind him, and stab him. And the game lets you do that, which is really cool. But Oh, yeah, I definitely did that. You did that too, <laughs> yeah. He just stands there for a second, flinches just barely, turns around, and murders Castellanos. And you, you get so a game over screen. It, it is, and it is yeah. violently horrible. But... Instead, yeah. like the game punishes you for for doing what any uh, any veteran gamer would think to do. It's like, yeah, you fight back, right? No, you just have to leave. Just get out of there, because eventually he chases you with a chainsaw, and huh. you have to go like room by room, sneaking one like sneaking through rooms and finding your way around out of the hospital. But you also have to make your way through like some terrible like. Uh, combine traps that that are like going to slice Castellanos to pieces. Uh, there's also yeah. a, a slide that he goes down into this pool of blood. The pool of blood was so big that I thought to myself, "God, how many people did this guy kill? Oh my god!" <laughs> but I was eating when I went through that scene. And I was <laughs> wow, mistakes were made. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you texted me Ooh. that you said you were eating breakfast. Uh, and, yeah. and like, <laughs> I wondered, like, do you spill your cereal or something? But like, no. they. Eggs are gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so somehow he escapes this guy with a chainsaw and gets in an elevator and gets back to the lobby and escapes the hospital where he sees Detective Colony driving uh, an ambulance and he jumps in the ambulance and they're like, let's get out of here. As they're driving away, the city is not necessarily crumbling, but it is shifting like it is going through an earthquake, but Mm -hmm. things are moving around like in uh, Inception, but, you know, the concrete's tearing apart itself. Uh, and and like buildings are slamming into each other as the chapter ends. Right. That at that point, mm-hmm. the the ambulance crashes and they all like scatter. Castellanos wakes up in the woods alone in the wreckage of the ambulance. Uh, Connolly has become one of the possessed people and he like you have to shoot him and then sneak your way through a bunch of other possessed people to this house that. Uh, that also is like a farmstead and there's a barn. There is another big guy that's chained up somewhere. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you tried this, but I tried to shoot him from uh, a balcony that I could see him at and nothing happened. Uh, but he's chained up down there trying to break free. And as you sneak around this farmstead and kill a few other possessed, eventually you reach this gate that uh, you have to get through. And, like there's this chain that, you know, you could get through and Castellanos looks at that and says, Oh, I need something to cut through this. Maybe a chainsaw. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why, why would you think of that? <laughs> I yeah. like, oh my God. Like, are you, cause I knew what was coming next. I mean, yeah. I didn't remember, but I was like, okay, maybe a chainsaw. Great. Now I have yeah. to go fight something with a chainsaw and probably <laughs> die 50 times in the process. Yeah. Great. <laughs> You also get to uh, run into Dr. Jimenez, who was also in the ambulance with you when Connolly, Kidman, and Oda were also in there. So we, we should say that all the characters escaped from the mental hospital uh, that you met to begin with, but um, they're all gone by the time Casalianos wakes up. Uh, however, in the, in the ambulance was Dr. Jimenez and then a patient named Leslie. And this kid, he looked like he was like 15 years old, but um, he was just muttering something to himself. And then uh, he disappeared after the ambulance crashed. Jimenez is trying to find him and you have to like work with him to to track this kid down. So he tells you to get get this gate open that has a giant chain because he saw Leslie go through there. And then, you know, you might wander around the farmstead for a little bit until you wander. And if you wander back to the big guy, suddenly he's broken out of the chains and has a chainsaw. And I thought to myself, well, where did you get that, dude? Because you were you were just in a pen that had nothing. And now you've blasted out of that pen with a chainsaw. So (laughs) so convenient. Yeah. Uh, And then like that, that was like the first big fight that you run into and uh, thankfully I had a lot of shotgun shells to, to plug him, but it felt like every time, uh, you'd get hit by him, I would, I wouldn't flinch or like get scared or anything. I would just say like, nice one, dude. Nice. Just kept coming. I just get, yeah, my, I was rolling <laughs> my eyes. I was like, oh, damn it. Not again. Ugh, really? Whatever. 
Uh, right? Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Another thing about this game that I've noticed, and this is in relation to the structure of it, when you, when, when one particular, like, character or possessed demon gets sight of you, they alert everybody else. And you have to find a way to defend yourself against a larger group of enemies. When that happens, you have to, like one of the best strategies that I used was like, you know, you kind of find a good corner to bait them all into and create a bottleneck. But most of the time, and this is, this is a great hallmark of that resident evil four style. There are no dead ends in this game which means that you can get snuck up on at any point from any other direction that you're not facing. And that creates a great form of tension. Yeah. That leads me to wanting to ask you about how this game can scare you. And I feel like this game exhibits like three different forms of really good horror. And the first one is creating tension and that that form of a fight creates a great sense of tension because you're always thinking to yourself, well, I'm shooting these guys right now, but who's behind me? And so I always, I'm always scared that like something's going to come up behind me, uh, even in like big bombastic fights. Did you ever get that feeling? I did. And you know what? I actually, for the sake of time and my own sanity, I went back and I changed the, uh, uh, difficulty level. I felt sh- I felt shamed for it. They were like, "Oh, this is for cowards." And I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm a coward. It's fine." Um, <laughs> what can you do? And so they have this feature where it shows you whether you are potentially in the line of sight of an enemy and whether or not they see you. But that isn't always, at least for what I gathered, it's not like a hundred percent if you know what I mean like I definitely used it as a crutch and then got snuck up on a lot (laughs) just really annoying oh my gosh yeah so there was (laughs) definitely even even in my coward cowardly gameplay um there was still constant like paranoia of like hey is someone behind me well it doesn't say they see me but maybe they do see me yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, that tension was definitely there yep and then like that that second style of horror that I that I saw a lot in this was a jump scare and it didn't scare me a lot a lot of the time I would just I I would again say like oh nice one were there any we'll get into those in spoiler talks but like how often do would you say that happened um uh like like you I don't think they scared me so much as annoyed me and be like god damn it not again (laughs) like they would tend the jump scares generally um correlated with um a gruesome death. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, usually like it's when they killed me that I'd get like the jump scares. But um <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think I was like, okay, cool, like great. It was more annoying than anything. Yeah. And I think it was pretty so often. It wasn't like super, super constant, but definitely definitely hit more. And then you mentioned that third aspect that I was going to bring up is a lot of grotesque things that you see in this game. Uh, a couple of months ago, we we had someone else on the show and we talked about the game Blasphemous. And that, compared to this, is barely anything. Like, this was great. You see some crazy stuff in this, in this game. Um, and I... 
a lot of the deaths, I could not believe they were actually like going to do that. We're like, at some point, Castalian's head, uh, C- Castalianos's head just gets smashed completely flattened. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that was really violent. Or uh, like, you know, the, the yeah. chainsaw deaths were just ridiculously oh, violent. But uh, long. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of these. Yeah. The, these deaths, a lot of time where I, I just I would get killed for like the fifth time and be like, oh, all right, fine. Go ahead. All right. Just all right. Continue the animation. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. I want to try again. Uh, that kind of right. thing. But, you know, the, yeah, yeah. The, these these deaths, like the first time they're a big shock. So and and yes. then like just seeing these monsters are pretty that they're pretty horrible to look at, too. Um, and we again, we will explain why they are the way mm-hmm. they are uh, in, in this spoiler discussion. But Overall, the aesthetic of this game is quite horrifying to look at at times and very unnerving. As far as a horror game goes, I think this was fantastic and and it's a great pick. I, I did not peg you for a horror game fan, but. Oh, oh, you yeah. have a lot to learn, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely went through a horror game phase and this was, of course, part of it. <laughs> and I've turned into a coward since then, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love them. Yeah. And yeah, this is definitely one that stood out um, amongst all the horror games. Yeah. Me. So I'm glad that you liked it too. Good, good. Yeah, there's there were a few points where I felt like it did not hold up that well as as the te- like video games have improved over time and the way he feels to to play as uh does not feel as tight as other shooters now or other um action games, but still it's it was really cool. I loved the setup and um it it's it's well worth your time, I feel like. Uh so that brings us to uh how I I, I ask people to rate this game. Uh how would you rate this game? Would it be not worth someone's time to try? Uh give it a try if you have a subscription to PS Plus or you see it on sale, or is it like a shut up and take my money kind of thing? If you were to ask me this when it first came out, I would probably lean more towards shut up and take my money. But as you just mentioned too, like over time, like <laughs> it's quite old, you know, it's the graphics have leave something to be desired for sure nowadays. Um, and the gameplay isn't as tight as like maybe a newer horror game might be. So I'd say if you're into horror games, I think it's a good one. Um, I, I definitely suggest trying it. I, I don't, know if i would recommend going out of your way to buy it especially if you're not a big fan you didn't like resident evil and i don't think you would like this um but maybe but, um i imagine there's newer horror games that people would want to try first but yeah i was a little more um critical of it than i expected to be playing it again but yeah. i like it and this was my first time through i would I would say if you like horror games and are looking for something to play that you haven't tried before, give this a try. If you have PlayStation Plus, yeah, give it a try if you like horror games. But uh, also, if you see it on sale, give it a try. But uh, if if you're looking for something that that will really scare you and and still feel really good to play that is aged well, I do feel like this one doesn't do it as well as something like dead space or until dawn uh though those are like mm-hmm. relatively around the same age 
And this one just, it feels a little bit clunky to control in some of those most heated moments, but I still really liked it. So, you know, it is, it is that, you know, try it if you, if you find it on sale kind of thing. Um, but great. Uh, you said that you're a big horror game fan. So I, I have to ask you, what are some of your other favorite horror games? Until Dawn was a really good one. Um, the first one that I got into was Alan Wake, which I haven't played in who knows how long. Uh, but I remember really liking that. The vibe is it's set in Washington, so very Pacific Northwest. You're in the forests, spooky, um, looking for your family. So I like I, I maybe it's not that I like horror games so much as I like mystery games and like thrillers where you're just like slowly uncovering what's happening in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that aspect of what remains of Edith Finch as well. Uh, that was fun to like slowly uncover what the hell is going on, even though I don't think that's really her game per se. But yeah, no. But I forgot. I, it struck me that Until Dawn is about the same age as this game. Right. Because I think I played it around the same time. And yeah. I replayed Until Dawn maybe like a year ago and it held up a lot better than this one for sure. Um, yeah, it definitely felt cleaner. Yeah, but uh, it, Until Dawn is a completely different kind of game where you're not asked exactly. to do any shooting or, uh, you know, any like sneaking past in, uh, like creatures or anything. Until Dawn's just right. a really good yeah. slasher story that has been turned into a video yeah. game. So uh, true. I do have to also say, which I guess is more relevant now, Last of Us was also really good. Um, I played the first one when it came out and I have the second one and that's, that's how I realized I'd become, become a coward. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't do it. And it's very similar. The gameplay is kind of similar where they're, you're like sneaking around zombies and you have to shoot them and stuff. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's so hard. But I didn't watch the show. I heard it yeah. was good though. Oh yeah. And the the sense of tension that you get trying to sneak up to a clicker that, and and stab them without them realizing you're getting close is, is just unnerving. It's so bad. So, um, but yeah, I have to agree with you until Dawn, uh, was great at creating that sense of tension and foreboding where like, I was just scared to make my character go down a hallway because I, I was afraid of what was down there. Uh, and, and it made me go really slow. Some of my favorites that I got to recommend are, uh, from way back on the GameCube, I got Resident Evil and that was my first one that I tried. And I, as soon as I tried that, I was like, this is amazing. I got to play more games like this. Uh, Eternal Darkness was also on the GameCube. That's one of my all time favorites. That one is a lot more of like a, a mental journey or mind fuck as you called it, but like, uh, (laughs) it will, it will really mess with you. And, uh, at the time it had these, these effects that it would, pretend to like mute your TV or pretend to like shut off your game. And it would just in oh my God. either scare the hell out of you. Cause you think like, I just lost an hour of progress and then it would come back on. Uh, it was, it did this weird stuff, uh, which is great. Um, Dead space is another example of that kind of game, uh, like creating that tension of you feeling really overwhelmed by a horde of, of creatures that are coming for you. And, I, I have a story at one point I was playing that game and I thought, okay, I got this. I barricaded myself in a closet. It cost me 10,000 credits to open that door, but I got it. And now I got a way to bottleneck all these creatures and I don't have to deal with them. 
And right as I was thinking that, one of them came out of the ceiling right behind me inside the closet. Oh my and I was like, God. no, no. So that, <laughs> there is no winning. That that game will test you if you like the style of not having anywhere to really go and having to stand your ground and and like fight your way around being overwhelmed. And then the last one that I got to talk about is fear, which is um, it, it is an acronym for first encounter assault recon. It was a shooter that came out, I think, in 2005 or 2006. But it's it's a shooter where you shoot an army of guys but you also get chased by a ghost named Alma. And uh, she's like, she looks like this 12 year old kid from the ring. Um, And that one I think is one of the only games that I can think of where I got chills just from seeing her because you'd like get to the top of this like ladder and like have a view of like a building and you just be looking around and all of a sudden, like without me doing anything, I just notice in the window, Alma is standing there looking at me and I get chills. Oh, it's like, wow. Oh God, she's right there. Like that one, uh, that, that one's a really cool one to play if you can track it down. So, um, are there any like non horror games that you can think of that have still scared you pretty well? Oh, that's a good question. I think going back to our first podcast together, observation kind of spooked me a bit and that wasn't really a horror game yeah um that one was good uh it was fun to go listen to that episode if you're <laughs> <interested>. <laughs> yeah that one was a good one um also scared me ghost of tsushima has like this i don't think it's a dlc it, it's kind of like it's like they have a, a narrative mode and then an online mode and the online mode is really based on like uh like legends of like demons and all that kind of stuff and it's pretty spooky oh, yeah. too i'd say yeah that was really fun though for sure i was very addicted to it mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's pretty spooky cool cool okay yeah. so my last question for you about these other recommendations uh do you have any favorite horror movies that you know this made this game made you think of oh that's a good question um as with my horror game phase i had a horror movie phase and it's been a while. Um, but one that always stuck with me was The Orphan. You know, it was like maybe the first horror movie that I like actually enjoyed. That's a really um, cool Scream. one. Yeah. Yep, yep. I, I mean, I love the fact that it's like child's potential. I mean, I won't spoil it, even though it's really old. <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that like lended itself. I don't know. For some reason, just the scene where she ashes and none with the hammer really stuck with me i don't know why um <laughs> yeah that one is good scream is classic and i, I mean if you're into like i haven't seen saw in a really long time but i remember liking that as well i think as like with this game there's yeah. like that mental the mind fuck part of it <laughs> i seem to enjoy for some reason okay yeah <laughs> what about you oh all, all-time favorite is is probably the thing um and the, there are some creatures that you see in this game that rem- that really make me think of that as well. So oh, I see. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Have you seen that? No, okay. I haven't. Okay, I'm gonna have to have you know, run over to your house and lend you the DVD. So, yeah, um, seriously. Is there anything else that uh, you're reading, watching, or playing that you'd like to recommend? Um. I guess on the theme of zombies, I just started, I'm late to the game, but I just started the Santa Clarita diet. <laughs> it's like a very yeah. like, 
fun zombie um, show. Um, yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm really hoping they have a new Netflix has had the haunting of uh, Bly Manor, Blythe Manor, and yeah. then the haunting of Hill House, and those were really good. I'm really hoping they come up with or come out with another series like those for October, but we'll see. I think there is one on the way, which is um, Mike Flanagan's next one. And it, I think it's the fall of the house of Usher, but I'm not sure something is, I know that something is on its way. I I know that. Uh, But yeah. Speaking of Halloween, I've got one more recommendation, which is next month's game. And because it's the Halloween season coming up, we have the PlayStation classic remade in medieval. I found this one to be much less scary and more of a Halloween themed cartoon, more like a, an amusement park filled with Halloween themed attractions. It's a fun time and almost any scene you can think of related to Halloween. You see it here. Uh, remember that. Ooh. Yeah, it it's coming up. Have you had a chance to play medieval? I have not, but okay. you know, actually um, when I got the evil within again, I finally gave in and, uh, got PlayStation Plus Extra. Oh, so nice. I'll yeah. Probably, yeah, now I have the whole catalog. So PlayStation should be a sponsoring this podcast because <laughs> I definitely got me to <laughs> in that. So I'll definitely play Medieval after. Yeah. Yes, please. If you're listening, Sony, please sponsor us. So uh, remember that you can be part of the show too by writing into PSPlusGameClub at gmail.com to share your thoughts about Medieval or any other recommended games we have for future episodes. But for the rest of the episode, we are doing a deep dive spoiler cast into The Evil Within. The stairs are gone. We must be collectively losing our minds. 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 Oh, God. No. Rovik. It is you. Ah! Who the hell are you? No. Don't follow. What the... Doctor, Leslie. We we ended with chapter three, where uh, you fight the chainsaw guy. Chapter four, you get through the gate with Jimenez, the doctor, and you're chasing uh, Leslie. And you see him run into this house and Jimenez and you chase after him, uh, run down to the basement and find him uh, just kind of muttering in the corner. At one point, like, like they say, like, well, we have to get out of here and uh, they turn around and they like Leslie hears something and the door to the basement flies open and then nothing happens. But they say that something's coming. There's like trash all over the floor. And I realized at that point, like, oh, shit, like it's invisible, whatever it is. And. Uh, the, like some of the trash, like moves around and you can tell it's coming toward you. I don't know what, like how I thought to do this, but Castellanos at the time had picked up an ax and he was just holding like this small hatchet. He like, I I just, 
instantly hit the melee button and he swings the hatchet and slams this invisible thing right in the head. And it turns out to be like uh, just an invisible possessed person. But that was that was like a moment where it was like, oh, shit, let's go. I can do this. <laughs> I think I just died. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad one of us had a moment. <laughs> but like with, without that that hatchet, I would have been useless in that moment. But it, it was just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like I I'm out of shotgun shells. I know that I can't just straight up aim at this thing, whatever it is coming. And so I, I panicked, but that worked. But like it's it's like face is all deformed and weird. It's got like t- small tentacles coming out of it, and th- <laughs> like all these invisible enemies, they do they they look like that once you kill them, and they're just disgusting looking. Yeah. You go through the next hallway, and at the end of the hallway where there should be a stairwell, it's now walled up with a brick wall, and w- in the doorway to the room that you were just in this guy appears in a robe and a, and a hood and he's got like this scar across his face. Jimenez says his name as if he recognizes him. He just turns to him and goes, Ruvik you. And so like, we know that like this guy, this is like some sort of like big bad villain for the whole, for the rest of the game. And they know who he is, but we're like Castellanos. We have no idea who this guy is. Jimenez says like, no, don't approach him. And what else are you going to do to progress the game? But, you know, walk toward him. Right. The The hallway shifts gravity and he, I guess, like manipulates the the reality and is able to have Castellanos like uh, lose his balance. There's like a wave of blood shining style that comes through the hallway and Castellanos <laughs> wakes up in a room that he where he's like knee deep in blood. And then you have to fight a bunch of possessed enemies before you can escape the room. Right after that, you start to walk down this hallway. And at the end of the hallway, there is a room with a few bodies on the floor. As you enter that room, there is this fountain of blood that comes up out of the bodies. And then you see like a pair of arms like reach out from whatever this portal in the floor is that is spewing out blood. And then the, the, what looks like the girl from the ring starts to crawl out of it. Mm-hmm. And she's got two extra eating. <laughs> yeah. She's got like two extra arms too. And she's really lanky. She crawls across the floor like a spider. As soon as I saw her, I like, I took one shot at her with a gun and it did nothing. And I was like, Nope, I'm out. And so I, I had Castellanos turn and run. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to fight her. Yeah. Seeing seeing this entrance was amazing because usually when like a big bad enemy shows up in a game, especially a horror game, they give you like uh, a cut scene or an entrance scene for you to really take in what's happening and what's coming in this instance. No, you're in control the whole time that she shows up. And so you can do whatever you want. If you're not looking in that direction by chance, you won't see her coming. You know, it, it, it is right. It's just, it's happening right in front of you. So what are you going to do? And, uh, I, I love how they give you full control during this whole sequence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, more opportunity to die. <laughs> <laughs> what was like, 
Do you remember what your first reaction was to her the first time you played it? Oh, that's a good question. I thought she was gross. I do remember that. I think, yeah, I think I also made the connection with um, Ring. Like, she definitely looks like with her with her hair. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of spiders, so this didn't really help. Um, <laughs> but this time around, actually, she reminded me of... Um, mentioning our other podcast that we did brothers that one character um oh goodness i forget her name it kind of reminded me of her like oh, what's yeah. with this theme of yeah like creepy crawly like girls spider women like, <laughs> yeah yeah what's going on here yeah, <laughs> yeah so no, she she was the worst <laughs> yeah oh and, and like you all you can do is just run from her and eventually you you get into an elevator that uh lets you you escape but then she kind of materializes again in another hallway and then you have to get to another elevator and escape so there's no real uh sense as to how you're how long you're supposed to keep running from her you just have to go and go and that's it um but eventually mm-hmm. you you run into uh detective oda and you know meet up with him you find him in a bathtub unconscious and you have to like throw a lever and it dumps him out of the bathtub. And then you wake him up and talk to like, try and make sense of what's going on with him. And then a few rooms later, after fighting through some more possessed, you find Kidman who is trapped in a tank that it looks like a Houdini tank that is filling up with water. And uh, you have to like fight off a bunch of possessed and then uh, throw a lever to free her. This is when the possessed start showing up with dynamite. And it's like, dude, <laughs> oh, no, like wh- things just got a lot worse because they start running at you with like lit sticks of dynamite. And sometimes they throw them. Sometimes they just kamikaze to you. But you got to find a way to defend yourself in this wide open room. Oh, you feel better. Now you have like allies. Nope. They have dynamite now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like, you know, they up the ante just because you got some help and it gets worse, but, uh, eventually you get separated by, um, what looks like, uh, the, the spider woman's hands coming out of a pool of blood and just dragging people into it. And, uh, we later learn that, that her name was actually Laura. So we see Laura's long arms wrap around, uh, each of these characters one by one and drag them in. Uh, just like into the floor of blood like it was out of um like what was that movie like dark water where people just disappear into pools of water uh things get kind of weird and eventually you have to fight laura again and she's uh she's running around this room and you have to trigger furnaces to fire while she's in them and you have to run (laughs) through the furnace and then uh throw a lever and getting the timing of that down was really hard for me but I eventually did it. Oh, yeah. And that fight was was really, it was kind of annoying, uh-huh. but cool. Right after that, you get to what looks like a giant, like a, a testing chamber that uh, has sort of like a, like this column in the middle of it. And there's, uh, mm-hmm. there are some notes about what they're trying to do in this, this testing chamber. Uh, that you've you found up until now throughout the whole game but right yeah we haven't about that yet. yeah you've they were trying to uh create a hive mind of people to all have the same thoughts 
and uh like this is theoretically where they were doing it where they they would have someone in the tub and then they would all be connected by this central system in the middle of the room right uh eventually like you you see ruvik in the room as like a ghost and he triggers something that causes six of these tubs was it there there are six tubs total and three of them had bodies in them but three of these tubs dump out a body and then they start they get up and start attacking you and i think i i got i killed one like three times before i figured out like oh you know they're they're going to keep getting back up unless i uh unplug the cable that is stuck into their back and uh and get them to to actually like stop for good so that was that was where like i started to think something about like okay what's really going on in this because castellanos right. is traveling from room to room and the architecture is not making any sense and like we're we're every once in a while uh looking at his reflection which transports him to a different place and we haven't talked um, about this place yet but i referred I, to this this other place as like the dream hospital where if he, if castellanos looks in a mirror and sees his reflection he gets transported to another like mental hospital where you can save your game uh, you can also <laughs> upgrade your character and upgrading your character is done by having Castellanos get <laughs> electroshock therapy. Yeah. Very weird. That, <laughs> that is interesting too. Like I, now I'm hearing it in my head, the theme of or Claire de Lune, right? The piano, the soft yeah. piano just creepily playing. And I love that song. And I was like, wow, they had to yeah. just make it extra creepy. And every, and every yeah. time you get to, you get close to a mirror, you start to think like, oh, you start to hear it. And after a while I'd be like, Oh, I think I hear it. And then and I get excited because then I could, I could have a brief reliever of, of like being able to save, being able to upgrade and, and like spend my, my currency that I wanted to upgrade, which is like some weird green gel that you just collect from everywhere. Um, oh, but like God. that, that and seeing this, what's, what's called the STEM room, which is, uh, the where the network of of hot of bathtubs is and uh, their bodies. Seeing that uh, had me start theorizing about what's going on in this game, and I I wrote it down because I was like I got to write this down because I don't want to kind of like forget what my thinking was at the time. But right, I thought like there are strong references to all of this being in a dream, obviously, or in Castellanos's head. But you might be wondering, you know, why are detectives Oda and Kidman experiencing all of this too? And the possessed enemies are tethered to a central unit, kind of like a wired network is. Um, but if they're trying to do mind control and Ruvik is able to do all of this as well, what if he's able to do it like with Wi-Fi? Can he telepathically link all of their minds together and implant terrifying images into their own vision? And make them see things that aren't really there. Can he make them think they're, you know, going through a horrible nightmare, but they're all just crazed murderers killing random people? And, you know, how much of all of this is real? 
what is real and what isn't, you know, how can you tell the difference? Even if Castellanos right. were to to ask one of them for confirmation, like in a beautiful mind, like Russell Crowe did, how can he really trust their answer? So this Our is where meal. like, yeah, <laughs> this is where that, that mind fuck really started to get to me where I was like, what is really going on here? How much of this is real? You know, it is. And, yeah, and it made me really wonder. So I, I wondered if he was just having a mental breakdown or like, yeah, just something going on. Like I thought that like at, at this point in the game, I was like, Oh, all of this is a figment of his imagination. Like Oda and Kidman aren't actually experiencing this. He's just thinking that they're experiencing it. Um, and that this is all just in his head. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. It's interesting. You had a different perspective at this point. Yeah. Which, uh, was not the whole picture. I'll tell you that. Um, but right. <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's so much more complicated. <laughs> doc, doc, what the hell is going on? There's no time. I need to figure out how to reverse this. If we're going to stop him, who this Ruvik guy, who the hell is he? I'm sorry. I have to find this. I can't help if you leave me in the dark doc and you need me to help. He will... We... We're working on a method. How can I explain this? It's... Like linking brains together. Sharing everything on an electrochemical level. Emotion, memory, perception, everything. Directly. It's unprecedented. The implications on psychology, on pharmaceuticals, on consciousness itself. Are you serious? It's a fucking nightmare. Well, I didn't say it was perfect. Especially not with such a... unstable host. Great. So your research partner is a psychopath. And we're all inside his head. Not exactly, no. All of us are contributing on some level, but he's the only one with conscious influence. You know how he thinks. What does he want? Well, it's just a theory, but I'd say he wants us dead. So if we keep going and uh, eventually you just i forget what happens but he kind of just gets gets attacked by ruvik again and then goes unconscious wakes up in the dream hospital and now he is able to look at pictures of a like a, a village or a church and yeah. tra- gets transported to that which is very strange. And there is, is there's like a burned down church that he has to fight through. Um, he meets up with Oda and Oda says, these feel like memories that we are walking through. So obviously something right. very, very odd is going on. Um, you have to fight a couple of like uh, twin giants that uh, are very annoying. Um, there's this, uh, What's that? There's the the boss called the Sentinel, which is this giant, ugly dog that has it looks like it's been Frankenstein sewn together from a few other creatures as well. Um, And you're with Oda. And at one point during the fight, you can escape 
And then as you're as you're escaping, he drops his glasses in the oh area God. with the dog and says to Castellanos, can you go back and get them? And so you have to continue no. the fight. You have to continue the fight against the Sentinel um, and either just grab his glasses and escape or you can fight it for some some upgrade gel. But um, that that was like now one of the is- one of the dumb horror movie like tropes of like, oh, I dropped my glasses. Uh <laughs> Well, first of all, get them yourself, Oda. But second of all, get LASIK surgery. This is the best ad I've heard for LASIK surgery. Oh my gosh, just throw in an advertisement for LASIK Plus right there. Do you want to get murdered by this sentinel creature? Or, I mean, this wouldn't have been an issue if he didn't need glasses. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I I understand how maybe he couldn't see, so he couldn't get to them. But really, dude, like, come on. that's, That's like your... But that's almost like something that you need that that's vital to, to what you need to survive. Don't drop those. But he, just got, he, he got spooked and he dropped them. Ah, like it is definitely like one of the cheesy moments yeah. for sure. It's kind of funny, though. I like <laughs> I enjoy making fun of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Some levity in the game. Imagine if you had that urge for a minute straight. Then two minutes. <sighs> You fought it off three times now, Joseph. You're learning to stop it. You're not listening. I'm not worried about stopping it, Seb. I'm worried about not wanting to stop it. Some part of me wants to turn. I don't know why, and I can't reason it away. It's deeper than that. It's like instinct. And it's getting stronger. But eventually they they like escape. They get into this this giant church and uh, Ruvik shows up again and makes gravity like ineffective and everything floats up into the air. And then he throws Castellanos toward a wall, which then turns like into a, a falling pit. And Castellanos uh-huh. then tumbles down this thing and eventually lands in sort of a softish way. But it's kind of like if you were to, uh, it, Castellanos is like falling down this pit and then suddenly gravity rides itself and, and turns 90 degrees and he rolls to a stop in a very painful looking way. Uh, yeah. and th- these are the catacombs where they're like under the church. It's he's alone and you start to read notes from other people about how there is this guy with a metal head wandering the oh, catacombs. God. And this is a great example of the game creating a sense of dread where I just thought to myself, I can't handle this right now. I got to go to bed. I, I can't, I can't handle this. Uh, where like you'd start to walk down the hallway and sure there'd be a few possessed enemies but every once in a while you'd hear a clang and wonder like wait was that this this stalker that's roaming the the area and there there were other notes and references to him and he's like this big guy that you got to be afraid of but just the sense of there's something up ahead that you have to fight and I barely have any ammo left in my weapons. 
I don't know if I can handle right. it. And that was the, right. the great sense of like being really scared by something that you, you can just imagine it's, it's something horrible up ahead. Right. You've already been exposed to all of these deranged creatures. Like, I don't think any of them had notes referencing them before. You just kind of meet them. Like with yeah. um, Spider Lady, you just kind of appeared, right? But with this, you kind of get this expectation of like, oh, this must be really bad. When there's yeah. like, you know, warnings about this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, like, you find out what they are after you fought them. This time it was right. like, it's like, oh, this thing's coming, and what is it going to be, really? Well, this thing is called the Keeper, and he's got a giant safe on his head, or a safe for his head. Right. You find Leslie, and Leslie runs from you after being like pulled out of a, a jail cell, and then a, like accidentally like shuts a door behind him so you can't follow him, and the Keeper shows up for the first time and you have to fight him. And, uh, I, I remember fighting him and it was like midnight and I was like, well, I, I shot him down and, and he looks like he died. That's great. Took like five of my shotgun shells, but okay. And then about 10 seconds later, there's a safe in the room that levitates off the floor, shakes, and then his body materializes again under this safe. And he comes at you again. And I, I thought to myself, no, fuck you, no. And right? I, I had to whisper that because Why? my wife because my wife was asleep in the next room. But I I was like, <laughs> nope, I'm going to bed. No, no, no. Good so, husband, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just been like, nope, 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 fuck you, die. Sorry, honey. <laughs> nope, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> so you eventually have to like kill him enough times and shut off some valves that are streaming poisonous gas into the room. And every time you touch a valve, he comes back and attacks you. And so you have to kill him again. But eventually you get him underneath this massive like trap that that smashes a block from the ceiling. And so it just smashes the safe that that he's possessed at the time. Uh, let's try and ignore the other safes that are in the area that might come back. But... Hey, he's he's at least gone for good right now, right? Who do you think you are? I know who you are, Seb. I know what you crave, what you fear. Will you be able to live with yourself knowing what I'm going to make you do? Poor little Joseph couldn't. Too bad they dragged you into this. But either way, you're mine. To do with as I please. You keep going along, and there's there are caves underneath the catacombs. You eventually get to a, like a, a long part of this cave, and there are pulses coming from the other end of this a uh, long corridor of the cave. Eventually the pulses get faster and faster as you get close to them. And then suddenly it changes into a hallway in the mental hospital and Ruvik is there and he transports you to the Victoriano mansion where he grew up. And we find out that Ruvik is short for Ruben Victoriano. 
And this is his house that he grew up in. We find out what happened to him and, and who he is as we explore this house. But he is kind of like a ghost haunting it at the time. And, you know, while you search this house, he might pop up at any time and attack you and instantly kill you, which was really annoying for me. Yeah. What was this like for you? I felt like this was a big shift in the game. Like I spent, I remembered this from like when I played last mm-hmm. time, like they're like, and we'll get to it. Actually, I completely forgot about another part of the game, but I felt like there are two main parts. It's first like in the mental hospital and then going through Ruben Bacharianos memories and like learning more about him. And I, of course, this is the start of that. And yeah, it, like I felt so different all of a sudden from the rest of the game, which yeah. was really interesting. Yeah. Like, as you mentioned, yeah, the uh, sudden deaths were not. <laughs> pretty annoying and and then like there's there's a door that you see jimenez take leslie through and this giant mechanical door shuts behind them and then to open it you have to trigger three things in the mansion and you have to run around this mansion and you find notes about ruvik and also see ghostly visions of uh him and him and his talking you learn that this this sort of like network mind kind of thing was his idea his, his experiment uh, when he was a kid and to unlock the door, you have to solve three puzzles where they show, uh, they have like a brain in front of you and you have to mm-hmm. take a probe and pierce a specific section of that brain. And it's, it's just gross looking, but, uh, you have to like figure out which, which one you have to, to pierce. And then it unlocks part of that door. Each brain is arranged in a different way, but the third one was, uh, it, it's like a cross section of a person's head, which is disgusting to look at first of all. But then like, I noticed that as I was trying to figure it out, the eye starts to move and blink. And uh-huh. I, 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 I saw that and I was just, I, I chuckled a little bit because I, I just thought to myself, what, what other horrible things can I see? Oh yeah, that's awful. <laughs> Yeah, right. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> you just come to expect, like, like how much worse can they get at this point? Yeah. Great. Cool. Thanks. Oh. Yeah. And I don't think we've talked about this, too, speaking of Hermanos and Leslie. But, well, I guess now, besides Ruben, it doesn't seem like there are other patients that are alive. And I, like, I remember going through and, like, knowing, okay, obviously Leslie is important, but I don't get why. Yeah. Why is this doctor so obsessed with finding him? Like, what is going on? Um, and I think, like, of course, that slowly comes becomes um, apparent. But it's interesting. And I, I definitely thought at this point in the game that Leslie and Ruvik were the same person or some they had some weird connection. Yeah, um, I don't yeah. know. What do you think? I, I thought, like, well, something odd is going on. There's some something that Jimenez knows that that we don't. And Ruvik wants Leslie for some reason, but I don't know what it is. Um, and what does Jimenez want with Leslie as well? So like there's there's something about that kid that is special, but we don't know what it is. Right. But eventually you get the door open. And as you're wandering the house, you've also found out that Ruvik and his sister, Laura, who is the spider woman now, they were playing in the family barn and it caught fire and she died and he was disfigured by it. He eventually 
uh, went crazy because of it and killed his parents, was adopted by Dr. Jimenez, you know, also inherited a ton of this money that he then funneled into all of his research for the hive mind project. Jimenez and, and Ruvik grew close and that's how they know each other. But when you open the door, Ruvik shows up again and transports you to the family barn and you see what had happened in a vision. They were playing in the barn and some of the townspeople showed up and burned the barn down with them inside it, not knowing the kids were in there, but set it afire because they were upset about something the family had done that the parents had done or something. And this was payback for it. I thought to myself at this time, oh, does Ruvik know that townspeople set his house on fire and now he's going all Freddy Krueger on them where he's bringing uh-huh. everyone into his nightmare and he's going to punish them all for it? Like that was, I, I thought like this is really cool because he's going all Nightmare on Elm Street and like this is the game version of that. Right. You killed my sister. <laughs> you try to kill me, bastards. The irony is, uh, no. is that this, his sister came back as a horrible monster, too. I know you're in here. I can hear you breathing. Rich bastards think they can buy up all our land. They need to be shown who really owns these parts. Hey, I think there's kids in there. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. <laughs> what the? Somebody open the door! Ruben! Ruben! You have to climb! We find out what happened to Ruvik and Laura. Then we revisit the STEM room and we learn about Ruvik's experiment in detail. Jimenez is there with Leslie trying to get Leslie to uh, connect with him in this in one of the tubs again. And Jimenez says that he's pretty special. Uh, Castellanos is like arguing with him, trying to figure out what's going on. And at this point, the amalgam shows up which is this giant monster that looks like looks a lot like something from john carpenter's the thing so you got to see this movie (laughs) to see the resemblance but really do this thing shows up and jimenez just approaches it like he's like been waiting to see this thing he worships it and it just picks him up and snaps his neck in half he seemed like yeah like he said he worshiped it you also seem like in awe of it for sure yeah it was yeah so strange. Like, I don't, okay. My guy's <laughs> in that job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leslie escapes this thing, and Castellanos does too. Uh, but uh, Castellanos eventually, like, finds himself wandering through, uh, like, this this collection of furnaces and pipes and, like, fire. And Laura shows up again for her oh, second this encounter. Bitch. This encounter was really annoying i think i spent more than an hour on just this uh this escape because 
uh, I, I figured out like partway through like, oh, no matter how much you attack her, you can't kill her because she only takes damage from fire and there's only a set number of ways to set her on fire. And once you use them, they're gone. So I, I right. hit her like three times with grenades and then explosive mines and shotgun shells. She just kept coming. And I finally got it like so annoyed that I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm looking this up on YouTube. How do I do this? And like the person right. just ran through the area and escaped her. So it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. I can do that. Would have been nice to know that she can't be killed. <laughs> yeah. Before you wasted all your ammo. Yeah. So then I right. restart. Yeah. Yeah. I restart that encounter. And at one point you have to pull a lever to mm. get this wall of fire to, uh, to stop igniting. And I froze her with a freezing bolt that, you know, freezes whatever enemy it touches. And even it, even with freezing her and trying to pull that lever, she thought out before I could even do it and attacked Castellanos and one hit killed him uh, while he was pulling the lever. And this is one of those moments where I thought like, you know what, this game isn't aging that well because it's not allowing me to do what it wants me to do. Right. But, uh, yeah. small, <laughs> very small point of frustration in a much larger, interesting story. And yeah, that's fair. I, I do enjoy just the, the monster design of Laura, but just telegraphing that you need to escape her and making that escape feel possible would be a lot better. Yeah. So like, yeah. I also read that on, like when you play it again and you use your, all of your equipment you've already gathered and upgraded, you can kill her, but it doesn't want you to kill her on the first time around. That's ridiculous. Oh yeah. Yeah. I make her come after you. I give you false hope. (laughs) So so mean. Yeah. Yeah. I had also had to watch this part um, on YouTube and I saw channel it was but they just like went through it clearly they had done it multiple times like they knew where all the valves were got all the timing right and even they like had trouble yeah uh, that scene uh so i was yeah this is not meant to what's also also annoying is that like there are a few bombs around in the area that you have to avoid and we we haven't talked about the the bombs yet or traps but if you if you're sneaking up to a trap you can disarm it and you get parts that you can then use to craft uh, crossbow bolts or whatever whatever ammo you need. But the bombs in particular were so annoying and did not feel good to disarm that I just gave up no. on even trying to disarm them. Because... I did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Be- because like the the way they're set up is when you approach it, you see a dial that spins around this, this readout. And if you stop the dial in the right zone, it disarms the trap and you get the parts. If you stop it in the wrong zone, it just blows up in your face and you take damage or or get killed. Yeah. And I thought like you could let it go and spin and work up the nerve to, you know, press the button at the right time. But if you don't press it immediately, like the first time around, you'll die or it'll explode. Yeah. It only it only rotates once. And then if it rotates once and you didn't press it. It just blows up anyway. And then if you also like when you press the button, it also has a delay on when it stops. So you have to lead it too. So it's, it's not, 
uh, it's not accurate. It doesn't feel really good to, to play. And yeah, uh, I, I really wish this would have been tuned a lot better to just feel more accurate when you actually hit your button to, to stop the dial. Right. Um, I didn't even try. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped trying after like the first three bombs that I encountered. So, um, you know, it just, it wasn't worth the risk for me. Right. So we yeah. cast them and move on. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's also real bullshit that uh, possessed that walk by them don't blow them up. I, I think That's those would be great traps. Yeah. yeah. I tried to do that at first, too. I was like, oh, this would be perfect. Like, let me lure someone into, like, or, or like, bring them closer to them. And, you know, like, two birds with one stone. I don't have to deal with it. And it kills an enemy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That would have been nice. But okay, let's let's try and keep making sense of this this weird nightmare. Yes. Eventually, you escape Laura, and like it, it, you jump into mm-hmm. an elevator and escape her, which is horrible to see as well because she reaches into the this caged elevator for you, and it yeah. slices two of her arms off. But it, it's it's horrible uh-huh. to see again. But uh, you know, she's don't worry, she's got two more. So yeah, I don't have much sympathy for her. Let's <laughs> rip them off. Right <laughs> after that, you enter this parking garage area where you fight the the amalgam, the the thing again. And uh, this yes. time, like this fight was it was just really hard to keep this thing from like running toward you. It mm. was it was almost like I had to shoot this thing and then turn and, and book it some other place. And so many times the camera angle just really did not help me where I would like shoot it, turn and run and just run in place because I was up against a car that I couldn't see. Right. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That kept happening to me. Yeah. Always. Yeah. At this point, like what kind of upgrades were you using? What weapons were your favorites? Um, I love the crossbow. I think I definitely yeah. mean that a lot, but um, yeah, annoying like I, we were just talking about i hated disassembling uh or disarming the bombs and so i never had enough resources to make more ammo yeah so i ended up of course leaning a lot more on the shotgun and the handgun what about you uh i loved the shotgun just because of okay. how like how it could spread out its its aim and it could hit multiple guys at once and then so what i do is i'd I'd shoot the shotgun at three or four uh, possessed enemies coming at me and then run up and drop Mm -hmm. a match on all of them. So then they'd all burn or at least some of them would burn. And then, you know, the others would get up and I'd do it all again. That, that seemed to work pretty well for most of the time until you'd get to a fight like this, where it was something bigger than, you know, just a shotgun. I love how the very beginning of the fight, this thing is just hanging out in the parking garage and there's a tentacle coming off its back with a giant eyeball that floats towards Castellanos and stares at him point blank. I would start this fight and then eventually get killed. But every time I started this <laughs> fight, I would try and shotgun that thing in the face. And, and right? it was so much fun to just hit that. And every time I did, I, I felt so good because the, this thing that looked kind of like a, a gorilla would collapse. And I'd <laughs> run over and start shooting one of the other heads that were poking out of it. By the way, there are like three heads that are poking out of it. 
Yeah, super cute. Yeah. That also reminded <laughs> me of the evil gameplay where, you know, these boss monsters have like weak points that yeah. basically the only way to kill them. Uh, and so I felt like that was at least like very intuitive, but it was still really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. definitely died a lot of times. Yeah. Especially with the second phase of this fight where the whole body would divide in half and there would be a giant mouth in the middle of it and it would charge you. And if you were anywhere near it, it would just instantly kill you because it would eat you. And like that, that was just so annoying, but eventually I I damaged it enough that it died. So then Castellanos leaves the, the parking garage and meets up with Oda and Kidman where they found a bus and they're going to, yeah, like who, who left this bus here? (laughs) But and and it's intact. It's it's in great shape. Did you notice mm-hmm. that the bus on the front just said charter on it? It's like it was going. Oh. <laughs> it's like oh, like we're gonna charter a bus. All right, fancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything is falling apart, but you know we can still charter buses. <laughs> yeah, in this reality. So, so <laughs> right, right as they get into the bus, uh, Oda says something. It's like you know I figured out that Leslie's important. We have to go back to the Beacon Mental Hospital. So we're like yeah. okay, cool. We'll we'll go back. And then as they're talking, Kidman runs up to the front of the bus and is like, we have to get out of here right now. And a giant spider leg comes through the roof of the bus Mm. and tears the roof off of it. And that that begins this chase sequence with uh, with a giant like boss spider named Heresy. Right. And (laughs) they have to like drive away from it and and you have to shoot it while they're driving and, and keep it off the bus. So. That was a pretty weird fight. But at this point, I'm thinking, like, this is just ridiculous. Like, they're going all out like crazy stuff. Like, Yeah. Thank God you're all right. How did you get here? It wasn't easy. At least I haven't had any more uh, episodes. I wish I could say the same. Hey, I think I might have found us some transportation. This thing gonna run? Only one way to find out. Shit! What are you doing? Answer me. Eventually you kill it, and then Oda gets shot by by someone far away, so you have to like like go out, find an ambulance, find the medical supplies, and come back and, and bring it to him. Uh, then so who was needing rescuing? My gosh. Keep <laughs> your glasses on and don't get shot. Yeah. Yeah. He is the, <laughs> he, he is the liability in this story. Really is. It's like <laughs> you, you get back to him, you heal him up and Kidman keeps driving the bus. And at this point you get control of Kidman and drive the bus, which was fun. And Ruvik shows up. He levitates the bus into the air and crashes it into a building. And that's right. where the chapter ends. The start of the next chapter, Castellanos and Oda wake up outside the bus in a hotel room. Uh, and the bus is hanging out of the building. It went all the way through this right. building and then is yeah. dangling out the other side. And just as right. they wake up, they see it 
tip over the edge and crash out of the building. And one of them shouts out, Kidman! They run right. to look at the it's edge. Yeah, she's like, she could still be in there. They run over and look over the edge. And it's like 10 stories down. And Oda says, yeah. if she's still alive, she needs our help. It's like, I thought to oh. myself, dude, she would not survive the 10 stories down. No, no, no. No way. Right. I'm like, no, no. That, <laughs> it was, if, she, if she's still alive, she needs our help. Like, well, first of all, no shit, Sherlock. Second of all, what? <laughs> we have she's to get dead. down there. It's like, no, man, she's at that height. She's dead. So Why you eventually fight your way around this hotel with some more possessed. And after going down a couple of flights of stairs, you're suddenly at ground level or at least close to ground and level. And it was like, okay, well, this kind of doesn't make sense, but okay. Uh, eventually. Right. And then like you go into a room and it's a meat locker and the keeper is showing up again. Uh, it chases Oda and Oda gets into a dumb waiter and escapes and leaves you for dead or leaves you to fight the keeper. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just so dumb at this point. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. You're the worst partner. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that, like, the keeper was chasing him, not Castellanos. And, like, once he escapes, then it comes after him. But still, it's kind of like, dude, come on. Like, I'm fighting this to- thing. Why don't you fight it, too? Right. Like, ugh, yeah. So it's like, you're on your own, but also get my glasses. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Gosh, but you do, you fight the keeper and you have to fight him for long enough to wait for the dumbwaiter to come back up and take you down. Uh, and then you get down to ground level, get outside and find the bus. Nobody's in it. And then you see Kidman taking Leslie through a small park. And like you chase after her and, and Leslie. And just as you get there, she stops. Leslie keeps walking and everything, by the way, the the park is full of bubbles. Why? Like there are bubbles bubbles everywhere everywhere in the park, but Kidman stops and time freezes, but not for her and Leslie. It's just that all the, the playground equipment, the swings, the merry-go-round stop spinning, uh, the bubbles are frozen in midair and she stands there and pulls a gun on Leslie, then starts to apologize to him right before she's about to shoot him. Castellanos pulls out his gun and points it at Kidman and says, what are you doing? And they argue without really giving either one of them answers to their questions. And then Oda shows up and does the same thing. Oh, He's know. It's just like, hey, yo, what's going on? And points his gun at Kidman. There is the loud ringing that they hear every once in a while. Everyone gets a headache. And Kidman shoots Oda. And then... Uh, I don't like, have to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Good riddance. No, but it's, it's like, sorry, wait, Anna. what's going on? And obviously Kidman knows something that she's not telling everybody else. Right. So then he's in on it. Yeah. With the doctor. Yeah. But like she's yeah. And, she and and again, like the, the writing in this game, it's just kind of like, what are you what are you saying? And why are you delivering your line like that? God. So my acting definitely left something to be <laughs> It it was <laughs> it was not terrible, 
but it was it was one of those things where it's like you might want to do another take of that line. Come on. So Yeah, right, right, right. But like there's there's all this chaos happening now, and Casalianos gets uh like the the floor, the ground gets like taken out from under and it just kind of crumbles as the rest of the city is shifting around them. And he ends up in a, a like a derelict subway, has to fight his way through a bunch of other possessed people and then gets into the sewers where there are more possessed. And at one point you start to notice the walls are growing this fleshy mass on them and it's looking more and more disgusting. Every once in a while, there's uh, like a possessed creature or something that has two heads. It's like got another head growing out the side of one head and they start to, they attack you every once in a while. And we've seen these things before. They were like way back in chapter seven, but this time I was like shooting one just periodically trying to, you know, kill it over time. And it got close enough to me that I was getting a little uncomfortable. And then a tentacle like comes out of its chest and starts making this shrieking sound. And I was like, fuck no, pull out a shotgun, blast it as fast (laughs) as I could. But I, I was just like, no, not dealing with that thing. Right. That, that I think it was at that moment that I realized I've been desensitized to stuff like this in this game (laughs) where now if something horrible shows up, I don't even flinch at it. I just shoot and do whatever I can. See, that's good. I'm still screaming. Like, oh my God, this nasty. Oh Oh my gosh. I think this is also around when I ran out of time too and I had to uh, watch the rest of the gameplay. Oh, now there's no shame in that because this game is insanely long. Like, I felt like I didn't realize. I felt like it it could have ended a lot earlier, but it just kind of kept going and going. However, yeah. Getting up, like getting up to this, this is where like some of the, the last fights in the game, I had the most fun. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was really cool because like this thing, by the way, that, that like showed up and, and had like a tentacle coming out of its chest that happened a few more times. And I was used to seeing it by then. But most of the time when I see, when I saw something horrible in the game, it was more like, like shoot it now. And then while it's while it's down on the ground, I think to myself, what the fuck was that? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you so still I, have time to like actually process what it is. Right. Right. The, the, there's like this thing that has been stalking some of the other possessed in this area. And every once in a while, you see this giant octopus tentacle come out of a hole and drag one of them into it. And then after trying to restart a generator to get an elevator working, you get jumped by this thing that has camouflaged itself up against the wall. And it is the, the, the octopus monster that has been eating everything else. This is like a really fun fight. I loved this fight because it's in this, this open area with a bunch of pillars supporting the, the area, like a kind of like a parking garage again, Hmm. but this thing will rush at you and you have to run away from it. And then it, when you're not looking, it will hide somewhere and camouflage itself and then start to spawn little squids that come after you. And then you have to like figure out where, (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, well, then like you have to figure out like, okay, where are these things coming from? And then once you once you see them drop on the floor out of nowhere, you're just kind of like, okay, well, it's right there on the wall. It just it's camouflaged itself. Or one time I saw it on the floor and I was like, well, that pile of sludge wasn't there before. Hmm. I'm going to shoot it. And yeah, it it came alive and like started attacking. But I I really liked this fight because of how it would continually make me have to adapt and search for something new. Unlike the right. Laura fight, which just wasn't winnable. This one was oh. like, oh, you know, you have to use your wits and, and keep track of it. Right. So, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But once you kill it, you get into the elevator and take the elevator up to uh, another area that is out in front of Beacon Mental Hospital. You finally made it. This is the last chapter. And like, this is one of the first times you get a good look at the building and it looks like a giant lighthouse that is on top of this, this mental hospital. It's very odd looking, but um, pretty cool. And every time they have like the ringing in their ears, there is a big flash of light coming from the top of the tower. So it is, you know, and, and the, the symbol of the, the mental hospital is like a lighthouse. I didn't realize that until I got there and, and was looking at it. Really cool imagery. Yeah. It's interesting. Reminds me of Alan Wake again with this idea of light as important to yeah. story. And that one I, I haven't played Alan Wake, so I, I really want to. But um it's good. Yeah. So you get inside the mental hospital and chase Leslie through it because he's always, you know, in the next room. You eventually get to this big open stone arena that has giant eyeballs all over the walls. And oh, right before this, you you walk through a hallway and it's the same hallway that you saw the security footage in. And right. one of the 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 patients inside one of these cells says, "Watch out for Ruvik's eye." What is that supposed to mean? But you get into this arena and there are giant eyeballs all over the area looking down at you. And it's really weird. A bunch of possessed people start to come out of the woodwork and attack you. And then the big guy with the chainsaw shows up again and you have to fight him. And then you, you get into uh, the next area and you have to fight not one, but two versions of the keeper at the same time. And yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't like the keeper. I, I think I sent yeah. you a video where that was like, yeah, scene the first time i played around uh played through it i just could i just kept dying over and over and over and over again to the point where i like took a video of like the cut scene before <laughs> oh my gosh sorry i just oh, that the keeper will always stay with me in my nightmares oh i think i blocked out that there were uh, there was a fight scene with two of them <laughs> <laughs> not to mention there's like you know a bunch of traps and bombs all over the room too that you have to deal with so um, I, I just stood there and unloaded my shotgun and said like, well, I hope I don't need this later, but <laughs> here it goes. My little friend. Yeah. Thank- <laughs> Thankfully I did not need it later because this is like the last fight that you get in that you actually need your weapons because then, uh, Castellanos continues to chase Leslie and follows him into 
an elevator, but Leslie disappears in the elevator and Castellanos just rides the elevator to what seems to be the top of this tower in the hospital. If I make it out alive, I'm never riding in an elevator again. At the top, there is not just the the old network room, because you, f- you fight your way through that and through another three patients, but then you reach what looks like a newer, more advanced version of the, the STEM room or the network room. And there are more tubs. Yeah, there are more bathtubs and like computers hooked up, hooked up to them and people in them. Castellanos looks down and sees himself in one of them. And oh, that's yeah, when, so yeah. And that's when Kidman shows up and Leslie is, is in the room too. And Castellanos is asking like, what's going on? Nothing is explained again, but Ruvik appears. And then the giant like lighthouse portion stru- or structure that's in the room because this is the top of beacon and there's the lighthouse up there. The lighthouse structure itself changes into a giant brain that we've been seeing every once in a while. And this is supposed to be Ruvik's mind. (laughs) Yeah. It it is very trippy because like it it has this questioning, what is going on at all in, in all of this Ruvik appears there right in front of Leslie grabs Leslie's head and then Leslie just liquefies into nothing right in front of him. And it was like, what, what's going on? What just happened? Because he wanted, he wanted Leslie for something and now he just got it and whatever it was. You're right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Ruvik, who looks a lot like Lord Vecna from stranger things. Yes. Um, Yes. That's yeah. (laughs) Cause you definitely need that connection. You finally get a good look at him without his hood. And he's, oh yeah, but he changes the form of gravity in the room and throws Castellanos out of the lighthouse. And as he, he like has another one of those like softish in quotations, softish landings Mm -hmm. that he rolls to a stop uh, on the ground outside. And then everything kind of goes weird where all of a sudden this giant monster that has that giant brain in it crawls out of the tower and starts to come for Castellanos. Gravity is gone in the entire area. There's rubble vehicles like floating in the air and you have to run on the side of a building to dodge the swipes from this giant monster. Castellanos like jumps up into the air and flies for a little bit and lands on this uh, military vehicle that has a mounted gun on it. And you have to shoot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, okay, well, we we saw this thing once before in in a part that we skipped because, you know, there's a lot to skip in this game. But uh, he grabs the, the military gun and you shoot this giant monster as it crawls toward you. Uh, and then it does swipe at Castellanos on the vehicle and it throws him somewhere else and he lands 
on this piece of rubble that is wrapped in giant strands of barbed wire and he gets impaled on it. And while he's hanging there on this thing, he looks over and sees a soldier, like a dead soldier next to him with an RPG. And he just happens to be within reachable range of this RPG. Let me just grab that. (laughs) Picks it up. Drops down conveniently right next to him. Yeah. It's like (laughs) right there. Like, oh, this is a great place for me to be, you know, almost killed. But uh, the RPG also looks like like a single-use RPG that you've seen in in action movies. But this one has like 15 rockets in it. So you can fire it 15 times, even though it's only got room for one rocket really in it. So We've got to suspend this at this point. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty silly. (laughs) There there is a slight reason to that. Because, you know, obviously now, like, by, by the time you're listening to this and you figured out, like, oh, the architecture doesn't make sense and... Like nothing makes sense in this world. It's all a dream. But how much of a dream? Right. You fire the rocket launcher enough times at this giant brain that Ruvik is in. He eventually dies and you somehow like get pulled off of the the barbed wire and just slump over. Then Castellanos. Yeah, just just take a second. <laughs> Castellanos wakes up in the tub inside the the advanced network area that he saw earlier crawls out of the tub and then walks over to this column in the center of the room that has a brain in a jar and this is supposedly ruvik's like actual form and so he pulls the the brain out of the the column slams it on the floor and then stomps on it to kill ruvik once and for all but then (laughs) He just kind of slumps over again and wakes up in the tub again. And so I thought, uh, what is going on? It's like, well, wait a second. Was, was that real or is this it? Because I, I'm, I'm curious now, but like, I have no idea what's going on. He, he comes to again and he's, he, is he in the tub still? I think he is because Kidman is standing over him and she says to somebody else, no, leave this one. He's not going anywhere. And they take some of the other patients and leave. But you do see all of the other characters that have been with you in the game are in these tubs. Connolly is there. He's dead. Jimenez is there, also dead. Uh, I don't remember seeing if Oda was there, but he's probably dead. And Kidman was all a part of this, and she's been woken up and pulled out of the Matrix and, you know, <laughs> lets you, you know, stay there and kind of wake up a little bit more. And then... Castellanos gets out of the tub and leaves after everyone else is gone. He goes down to the lobby and there are still bodies everywhere. Just as he's approaching the front door, they swing open and a SWAT team comes in and he surrenders to them. Go, go, go. Detective, are you all right? Is there anyone else? Just give me some real fresh air. And they they check him out and he leaves. As he's leaving, you get to see uh, a body on the floor that looks a lot like Leslie. And I, I it's very mm. prominent in the camera shot. And so it's pretty obvious. And I was like, oh, there's Leslie. What's going on? Is he playing dead? 
And then Castellanos, as he's like hanging out in the parking lot, sees Leslie walking away from the hospital. And then he he does like this flicker disappearance and he's he like just disappears in a blink like Ruvik did. And that's the end of the game. Ah, this so many unanswered questions. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so like there is obviously some sort of organization that it's like a shadow, a shadow company that is uh, that, that Kidman is working for that is trying to get control of this. And uh, they are, are trying to like take Ruvik's experiment and perfect it or whatever. But of course they don't have Ruvik. Ruvik instead, it seems has used Leslie to possess another body that um, he was the only survivor of this experiment they were doing. That's what made him special. Right. And right, right, right. he's now possessed a 15 year old kid and has walked away. Yeah, but it, it's weird because like <laughs> you stomped his brain, or at least he thought you did, because that could have been fake too, because he woke up in a bathtub after he did that. But then also the bodies, right? Like, what yeah. is that about? Because it seemed like, I don't know, at least to me, it felt like, oh, if the people are dead, it's because of Ruvik, but Ruvik is not actually there. Yeah. But and yeah. presumably there are still bodies. And in reality, I don't know. I don't know. So the big question is is just when did this all start? When did the dream start? Was it when Ruvik grabbed Castellanos in that first chapter? Was it did it happen when they were driving up to Beacon Hospital? That there were so many questions that this game leaves, and I I liked the story, I liked the concept, but there are things that just didn't quite line up that weren't answered. Even if you say like, well, it didn't really make sense. Look, it was all a dream. Nothing makes sense in a dream. That's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> but it also gets me wondering like how much of this really happened and and what was real. Once you beat the game, you get a gallery unlocked where you can look at all the enemies and the weapons you've used and stuff. And they all have backstories <laughs> of uh, how did these enemies get there? And that answers a few questions, but not all of them. It's helpful, but it doesn't fill in all of the gaps that I have. And and so mm-hmm. there, there are questions for this, which might be answered in the DLC. Did you there are like three different DLC packs that get that got released for this. Did you play any of them? I have not. Okay. But now I'm wondering, are you gonna play the sequel? There is a sequel. Maybe I don't remember. Have you played the sequel? I have not. Okay. But I kind of want to now. Okay. I'm not sure I'll have to see whether or, not, or if it's just going to make me frustrated again. But I mean, I really liked that it was kind of open-ended and that like you don't exactly know what was real, what wasn't, when it started, when it didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of like that it was open to interpretation, though it is frustrating to not have like concrete answers. <laughs> I personally think the all started like when the first ringing happened maybe maybe even before that and they were driving in the car like that first scene yeah yeah after that i don't know what's real (laughs) i don't think anything was real after that but i don't know well yeah you know when you're when you're in a dream you don't think to yourself when did this dream start you know you don't even think you're in one but you know you, you can't really identify sequences one from the next and that's what this game really does where you just go from one random place to another without any sense. Right. And like, everything's a little bit distorted. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes when you look at a wall and then you turn away and look again, there's a door there, you know, that, that happens in this game every once in a while to really mess with you. But yeah, that, that also creates a a cool puzzle sometimes. Overall, what did you think of the story? Um, I like the idea, the concept, I think like, just as you were saying, it had some plot holes that I wish were addressed. Like it, it felt like it could have been tied together more nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. While I do like that there was a little bit of mystery and openness to it too. Like I left almost like too much mystery. Yeah. Like uh, the concept of it and this idea, I think is fun and a little different from um, horror games that yeah. are like usually it's like zombies. Yeah. And like, that's great. But yeah, let's take it a little. And I, I think they like tried to take it to a deeper level, which I appreciated. Yeah. Overall, yeah. I liked it though. Yeah. Uh, One thing we didn't talk about was how you keep finding journals of Castellanos's, Uh. his own journals, just hanging around the area. And it being part of a dream explains why that is, just because his mind is hooked up to this thing. And of course, you're going to find his own thoughts just like sitting around somewhere. Um, But these Uh. journals relieve, like they reveal that uh, he had a kid, he had a daughter and he was married and you know, his daughter was killed in a fire, just just like Ruvik's sister. Yeah. And then his wife disappeared. She was also a detective. She was working on a case and she was close to something and disappeared. None of that is ever really resolved in the story. But I think that's what the sequel is about. It's about like oh, him finding sense. out what's what's happened to her. So no I, I remember oda had mentioned at some point like an accident that he was in yeah and that i think was the only reference to it besides the journals which i am bad and i did not read most of them <laughs> so <laughs> i i like completely missed out on that entire plot line but no that's good to know <laughs> that, an unresolved plot line so you know you didn't miss much but yes anyway hey if they <clears throat> resolve it in a sequel that's something yeah yeah but you know if you do end up playing the the downloadable content or the sequel, give me a heads up. Let me know what you think about it because I I'm very curious about it now with how, how this game played out and where the story went. I kind of want to know more. Right. Yeah. On the one hand it does a good job of lending mm-hmm. itself to a sequel. On the other hand, it leaves something to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do know that the, the downloadable stuff is, it goes into what Kidman was doing after after the ambulance crash uh that that's the the first two the third one is where you play as the big guy with a chainsaw what <laughs> that i or so i've read or you play as the keeper and you have to oh. like do some stuff with with that guy so either way oh, yeah. that might be interesting but um you know i i might check it out if the the downloadable stuff is on sale, but I just, I didn't have time yeah. to get to it this time. So, um, maybe right, later. This was so longer than I remembered. Yeah, it was, it was so long. That's another thing that I, I felt like parts of this really could have been trimmed down to make it feel like a tighter experience. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's a lot of gameplay just for the sake of gameplay. The, the bus sequence, <laughs> uh, the, the whole thing with the bus, uh, you know, yeah. trying to trying to get the medical supplies for Oda when he's been shot. It's like, guys, we don't need to do this. <laughs> right. Let's just go. Uh, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 No, that's very fair. 
But anyway, uh-huh. Sarah, <laughs> thank you again for picking The Evil Within because it gave me a reason to to go back and try it. And and it's one of those where I just kind of kept thinking about it every once in a while. Oh, no, I'm so. glad and I'm glad you didn't hate it. As I was replaying it, I was like, oh, gosh, what is Kevin going to think of me now? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. No, I, I'm definitely <laughs> going to have to recommend more horror games for you because I, I have so many. Please. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe I'll have to get back into horror games then. Slowly, maybe confront my cowardice. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Well, it's been really fun talking about this. Yeah, it's been great to to break it down with you. And and to you, anyone listening, thank you again for making it all the way through with us. Uh, Remember that you can be part of the show by writing into PSPlusGameClub at gmail.com. And next month, we are going to be talking about Medieval, a great PlayStation 4 remake of a PS1 classic. So look forward to that. But until then, have a great day and have fun playing around.